Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. I'm joined today with by Ian Boyd, National College Football Analyst for InsideTexas.com. InsideTexas.com is your uh, spot for uh, inside information on the Texas Longhorns. Um, and Ian is the guy we go to each and every week to discuss the X's and O's of the upcoming game uh, and uh, what the Longhorns can be looking toward. Um, Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, I, I think that uh, this is interesting to me this week because we have Texas going to uh, Iowa State, uh, and the Cyclones uh, have been a tough matchup uh, for the Longhorns the last few years. Really, you know, going back to uh, the previous regime, even at uh, at Iowa State, uh, you know, you look at it, and Iowa State has, you know, a number of key players. Brock Purdy is one that has been there. I think it's, this is his fourth year start as the starting quarterback at Iowa State. Brees Hall is a big time running back for for the Cyclones. Uh, Mike Rose is a, a linebacker that. Uh, is an all-conference linebacker. Greg Eisworth, an all-conference safety. Uh, they have Will McDonald, a big rusher. I mean, they actually have more preseason all-Big 12 players than the Longhorns, which is, you know, totally different than what most people uh, would think looking at the two programs on the surface. But Matt Campbell has uh, the, uh, the uh, Cyclones uh, going in the right direction, at least, uh, from where they had been in the past in his program and in their program there. Um, let's talk about what you see as probably the, the primary drivers this week. And let's start with the Texas defense. Uh, that's going to have to, to stop the Bryce uh, Brock Purdy uh, and uh, Brees Hall. Yeah. The prognosis there is kind of tough. Uh, Iowa state has a good running game so that, you know, I think that already says a lot and that's, that should be enough to be Texas. Texas fans, a little bit of caution. Um, Brees Hall is a great running back, better than the Baylor running backs uh, who are, you know, they were good. We both talked about Abram Smith is a good player. He proved it, but they're, they're a little further ahead than Baylor. I think both in terms of the quality of their run game and then also the, their ability to burn you for how you play it. They can, uh, they can get into double tight end sets and throw the ball because their tight ends are good receivers they can get into a triple tight end set. They get this huge local Iowa kid, Jared Roos, Jared Russ on the field. And he's just a bludgeon. Um, he missed most of the last game against West Virginia, which is partly why they lost. Um, just, it's just a, it's a very complete offense. They're very, very good at pounding away and, and, and grinding out first downs with uh, pounding Brees Hall, breaking a long run here, hitting some play action to a tight end there. Um, yeah, very versatile, very good at probing and finding matchups by moving their tight ends around. So it's a it's a terrible matchup for the Texas defense. They need to be uh, they need to not only be recovered from having blown three consecutive second half leads, but they need to also be improving even more this week. It's not enough to just get up and 
get back at it. They, they need to be act actively improving and getting stronger as a defense, really even just to match their performances in the last few weeks, because this, this is a tougher challenge. So you think you think Iowa State's offense is, is better than Baylor's and or Oklahoma State's? Yes, I, I think unquestionably. They, um, they don't always have the same margin for error, say like Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State always has some really good skill players. So maybe they're crappy half the time, but they hit a guy in space one time and it just makes up for it, right, on the scoreboard. Iowa State is not as explosive, but they can consistently drive the ball the length of the field with long sustained drives um, and wear you out and convert on third down. So they're, uh, you know, in the advanced stats, they may, they may not look that much better, but in terms of how they can get at you, they are a much more complete unit. Gotcha. Um, anybody in particular you look for uh, for the Longhorns as a key to this week on defense? Mm. Um, they need to do really well up the middle. The Iowa State interior line is good, but it's not massive and it's not elite. So a, a good game from the defensive tackle, tackles is be very helpful. Um, they really need to have a good plan for covering these tight ends. I'm not entirely sure what that plan will be. They haven't really, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but they haven't really faced like a Charlie Kolar type tight end this year. So I don't know exactly what their solution for that would be. Um, if it's dropping down a safety, if it's getting overshown or Brockermeyer on him, whatever, whoever the focal point of that is that has to match up with that guy. He's like 6'6", 250, great hands, nifty route runner, kind of a, this will, this is, you know, over the top, but sort of Jason Witten type where he's not like a, not like a brilliant athlete, but he's, he's coordinated and he knows how to get open. Whoever, whoever gets that assignment is going to be very important because that's how, that's a big way they, it's a big way they stay on the field is by uh, hitting that guy at the chains. Yeah, that that's what I remember most about last year, right? Um, uh, Texas couldn't handle the seam route to the tight end at, at any point in the game, really. And um, Iowa State just kept it's like a like kept pecking away, pecking away, and then you know it just it it never ended. It almost reminded me of the counter play that Oklahoma ran for the touchdown, right? It's the the play they went back to when they needed it the most and they got it. Um, yeah. Okay. So that should, uh, I, I will say that should not really be there in the same way. Because, because of the defensive the, setup, right? The defensive scheme is different. Chris Ash uh, was more vulnerable to that with the way he played his defenses. I'm not, I mean, they might, I, I'm not going to vouch for what this defense will or won't do on Saturday, but I, I won't be shocked if Kolar hurts them, but I, it, it, at the very least, they probably won't, they probably won't look like that. Gotcha. Um, so let's flip that a little bit and let's talk about offense. All right. Um, the, the Longhorns on offense, again, looked okay in the first half and had a couple of uh, miscues at the end of the half, uh, dropped the touchdown, dropped the, uh, dropped the pass that was ultimately intercepted, fumbled the ball, threw a, threw a pass out of bounds. You know, these things happen in football games, Right. Uh, but they never rebounded in the second half um, yet again. And so, you know, what are you seeing from the offense and what do you expect to see from a Iowa State defense that I, I frankly think is as good or better than Baylor's? 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, especially with Mike Rose back, there, you know, the unit that gave up 38 to West Virginia is not the unit Texas will get in Ames Saturday night. Uh, you know, that game, they had sort of an identity crisis against Baylor. You could see they, they come out after the half with their like, you know, their big important second half play script and push. And what it was, was they basically just marched down the field in 12 personnel and marched, you know, it took them like 12 or 14 plays. They, they, they didn't pop any big plays. They just got three yards here, four yards here with Bijan. Roshan converts a third down. Casey Thompson converts a third down. They go jumbo on the goal line on fourth and goal. And then from there, they just couldn't do that anymore. Um, and they ended up running uh, 11 personnel RPO spread offense, unlike I've seen them run all year. Like on those on that last field goal drive, Casey Thompson, every single play basically was an RPO and he was hitting him. It was truly fascinating. It was like, oh, this is, you know, there's just the Alabama offense everyone was so afraid of. Here it is in Austin at last. Um, that, I thought that was very interesting. I wonder if they haven't really mastered it as an offense up till now. I wonder the extent to which they've mastered it and to what extent they just kind of caught Baylor by surprise with it. And um, to the, the concerning thing is that I'm trying to get at is that obviously they come out very strong early when they, they have their plays drawn up for the opponent. When they have to fall back on an identity to convert in the second half, I don't think they really know who they are. And they tried two different identities out against Baylor um, and neither mm -hmm. of them quite connected. So I'm, I'm almost curious in this Iowa State game just to see which of those two directions they go in. Not because I, I don't know if either will matter. I don't know if they can win this game on offense, to be frank. But I'm curious which, which direction they try and, and where they feel is, is the place to invest moving forward. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I would um, question here is um, Iowa state's got a defense that they, they like to keep everything in front of them and make you earn everything. Right. Um, and then they have a really good pass rusher uh, in Will McDonald. And so they, they can get after you sometimes with three people and just drop back and play at the chains. You know, does Texas try to force Bijan in this, in this mode or, you know, what, what is the idea? And I know you're saying you're not sure. Uh, and I, that's a fair answer, but you know, what, what is the answer to that? Ultimately, if, if that's their type of style that a team likes to play. I, I think ultimately beating Iowa state comes down to finding ways to attack their corners. Their corners are really, really not that great. The whole point of their scheme is to protect their corners because uh, the guys they get, you know, seventh dog at the bowl in South Florida to come up and play cornerback in Ames, Iowa are not going to, you know, lock down a Xavier Worthy. So the whole design of their system is how do we get safety help for our cornerbacks without compromising our run defense? Um, and uh, how you attack their corners depends in large part on what you do because you have to like hold enough of their attention somewhere else on the field to force them to give you the one-on-one -on -one to the corner and how texas does that I, I guess is what comes down to the do they feel they're better off getting brewer and wiley on the field and trying to run the ball with Bijan until iowa state's creeping up in the box or is it to uh spread them out i remember with sam ellinger usually they would uh they would get down and then 
not be able to run the ball and then have to just default to spreading them out and letting Ellinger run around and, and find guys in space with four and five wide receivers. I don't think they can do that with Casey Thompson. Um, I don't think he can threaten the full field like Ellinger did or process everything Iowa State will throw at him like Sam Ellinger. Um, I have no idea what Hudson Card would do if he comes into this game. Maybe we'll find out. So I think that leaves RPOs and play action and trying to find those spots where you get worthy in space and then you have to hit him. You can't throw him out of bounds. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I think I think that all of those things are, are obvious. What does the matchup on the lines look like? That, that's, you know, I want to take it away from X's and O's a little bit and talk about the offensive and defensive lines on both sides. And really, because I think that that's a place where Texas should be able to, should, you know, in quotes, right, uh, be able to be better than Iowa State. But fundamentally, they haven't been better on both lines than the other teams at any point in the season. Uh, and it's not looking like they will be uh, this weekend either, I think. I mean, if, if I'm reading everybody right. Um, so what, what's, what gives there? Why does, is Texas going to be able to move the, the, at all, move them on the offensive line? Are they going to get moved on the offensive line by, uh, by Iowa State? What's, what's the situation there? Iowa State is generally very stout on the defensive line. Um, they play three down. They have one guy, Zach Peterson, who's an absolute bull. Uh, he completely dominated Baylor's run game. He was driving their guards four yards into the backfield every other play. They have a couple of big guys. They have a big nose tackle. They always find these guys that, you know, are like 6'1", 295, and they may not be uh, super athletic, but they're really hard to move. They have, and they have another one or two of those guys. Will McDonald is um, maybe the opportune spot for Texas to get after. He's only like 245 pounds, if that. He tried to bulk up this season because he'd been more of a passing, pass rushing specialist in the past. And now because he's one of the best players in the league, they like to have him on the field more often. Uh, but he can be run on, he can be pushed around. So uh, that's kind of one opportunity. Texas, I think, could actually run the ball on Iowa State if they can, A, keep them from loading up in the box with RPOs and play action. And then B, if they can, if they can really hammer it at McDonald and um, not, you know, have to run into the sturdier members up front. So that matchup, I think there's some promise there for Texas. If that matchup goes poorly with trying to run the ball on their defensive line, then it's going to be, you know, a bleak Saturday. And then on the other side, um, the Iowa State offensive line is solid feels like they get a little better every year but they uh they get a lot of handholds by using multiple tight end sets and uh and by the fact that Brock Purdy can scramble and get himself out of trouble when they don't block very well so uh 
Texas has not really contained quarterbacks uh, consistently every week. I'd say they've been okay at it. They need to be a lot better at this week. And if they are, then I think there is opportunities. I don't think they're, um, I don't think their interior line is going to dominate the Texas defensive tackles. I don't think that they're going to be good enough to neutralize Texas's edge players. It's sort of a average versus average in Texas's outside players versus their tackles. Gotcha. Do you, uh, the, the problem there in the, in the Texas defense is a lot has been the um, lane assignments, uh, gap assignments of the linebackers, correct? In your opinion? Yeah. Oh yeah. That, uh, if you go watch that killer touchdown that made it 31 points for Baylor, um, Ovio Gofo gets way upfield and yields just this massive cutback lane. Um, much like he did on that crucial long touchdown drive by Arkansas. Like, was that the one after the fumble or was it the one? I can't remember exactly when in the Arkansas game, if you remember when it was, but I think we all remember that one long run that kind of broke the game. Um, and it was the exact same thing. It was an outside zone one way, Ogofo flies up field and then he leaves just nothing in the cutback. Gotcha. So yeah, um, big problem. Yeah, yeah, big problem. It doesn't sound like you're, you're not real high on this, this matchup for the Horns. No, I, honestly, all year I've not liked this particular game for Texas. I think Ames is one of the toughest places to play in the Big 12. Uh, Josh Thompson for sure told us that, whatever he might have said about Baylor. And uh, it's just a tough – they really get into it. They're excited. They have a good team. They just had a setback on the road with some guys out with injury. They have to win this game. They have a ton of seniors. They're playing a reeling Texas team. It's just a bad, it's just a bad setup for Texas. Gotcha. Um, you look at it and anybody that you think um, other than Bajan and, and possibly worthy that could, could possibly have a big game this week for Texas? Um, anyone that they could get into favorable matchups on the Iowa State defensive backs down the field could potentially go off. I just was watching on the West Virginia game. West Virginia got uh, their slot receiver lined up on a safety one-on-one on on like a post and just torches him. Easiest touchdown of Jared Diggie's career. They have vulnerabilities back there. If you can keep them from confusing you about what they're doing and if you can keep them from layering their coverages on everybody with their drop eight schemes, they can really be had. So Anyone, Marcus Johnson, uh, oh, sorry, Marcus Washington, uh, Joshua Moore, if he can uh, rebound from his tough week, and obviously Xavier Worthy. Anyone that they can get into, a, into the right matchup can absolutely just deal devastation to the Iowa State defense. It's just that it's hard to consistently do that. I think Sark will have some ideas. I, I would not be surprised if this game is uh, – a little bit high scoring. I kind of kind of like the normal ones. I, I could see Texas scoring a lot earlier than petering out. Um, and Iowa State, I expect, will probably score early and often. Ian, I can barely hear you, so I think you you covered your microphone accidentally. That's okay. Um, yeah, I, I I get your I get your understanding. It, it makes sense when you're talking about uh, uh, guys that uh, you know 
they peter out is a great way to put their their offensive performance in the second half uh the last uh, three games for sure um you know is it in your opinion um and i and i know i'm leaving the i'm burying the lead here is it in your opinion time for texas to try something different on offense and try hudson card i think it might be um Ultimately, they have to win uh, two out of four to be bowl eligible, which I know sounds right now like like we're talking about bowl eligibility. You know, what a terrible turn the season has taken. But uh, so they have at Iowa State, this is almost certainly a loss, in my opinion, uh, unless they really uh, come out guns blazing on offense and figure something really solid out, which I'm not ruling it out, but I'm just saying it's, it's not very likely. Uh, they have to go into Morgantown and play West Virginia who's really figuring things out since they got their butts whipped by Baylor a few weeks ago. Um, that is a very tough game. This is a lot tougher game than it looked like earlier in the year. They have to go into Kansas State and play one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Skylar Thompson. And then they have Kansas, which is, I, you know, they'll win that game. But uh, those other three, none of those other three are easy. So they have to make choices based on like I, some people are like, we got to get Hudson Card in there and give him snaps for the future. Well, only if he's for sure better than Casey Thompson right now, because you can't afford to give away any games right now. Um, and then whether or not he is, at, you know, I'm not at practice. Who knows? Um, if they struggle again, then you'd think just get Hudson Card in there and just see what you have, see how he responds, see if he's better off against that three deep defense on the road this week than he was last, but going into the game, I wouldn't necessarily pull Casey Thompson unless I felt confident from practice that Hudson card is a, is a, you know, at all likely to be a better option and at all likely to handle getting thrust into a really difficult spot again. Got it. Um, anything, anything else you want to add Ian before we get, let's go here. Um, this is a, it's a really tough game. I think it's sort of a um, gut check for Texas. Um, they have Sark. This is kind of Sark's last card to play for this season. Uh, Hudson card, uh, no pun intended. His last card is to, is to put in Hudson card and see if that sparks the team. So his timing with playing that card is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, do you want to use it early in this game? Do you want to use it? When the game is getting out of hand, um, how prepared are they to play with Hudson Card? How many reps is Hudson Card getting? If they if they lose again in a spectacular fashion, you would almost want to still have the Hudson Card to play uh, as a as a way to potentially salvage the rest of the season. So I, I'm really curious to see how Sark handles that kind of decision making, or if he just continues to say, you know, we're just going to stick with Casey and and what we've done this year well from the sounds of it i know who you're picking on saturday um but we'll go to the we'll do the round table on friday and, and get your official score uh ian thanks for breaking down the x's and o's uh for us again this week if you if you haven't read it yet uh your breakdown of the texas run game was really good earlier this week against baylor uh and i know you've got some other stuff coming for us uh, this week as well so for ian boyd of inside texas i'm bobby burton thanks for watching this edition of On Texas Football. Ohio. 
Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.